Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We got a good show for everybody today. Chris, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, I just had a frantic two minutes when I didn't have any audio coming through my side. <laughs> just in the nick, of, just in the nick of time, I guess. Right before the buzzer. Sounds good. Yeah. Better, better late than never. Anyway, let me uh, apologize. First of all, I've got. Uh, a little bit of allergies going. I don't know if it if it, if I sound right. I've got a lot of congestion, and if I have to get into a coughing fit at a point here during the show, I just bear with me. I'm going to try and make it through. We're going. I know Chris has been shoveling snow all morning, and we've got 60 mile an hour winds here in Las Vegas. So, um, <clears throat> you'll please excuse us as we go through the show. But uh, anyway. We got a good show. JD Styles, longtime friend of the show, is going to jump back in. We're going to talk a little Kings hockey, a little Pacific Division as as things are shaping up. 29, 30, 32 games into the season, we're going to see what JD thinks of the Kings as, and and how things have been going. Dana Lane is back from vacation, and he'll be joining us in about fifteen minutes to uh, update us on the UNLV Skating Rebels and and the twenty and three phenom that they've become in the UNLV club hockey world and also we'll get into a little bit of golden knights we'll get into probably the naming a little bit that's hp 1400 here in las vegas with brian blessing all week i had a chance i'm sure they've covered it so he's going to get us but uh while we're here let's break the ice and since we're talking about jump right in with Dean Lombardi updating Jonathan Quick's status coming back uh, mid-February to just towards the end of the month. What do you think about that, Chris? It's pretty much as expected, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're a Kings fan and when you got that, you know, real rough news the first week of the season, I think you have to be pretty happy with where the team currently stands at. So if they can, you know, try, try to be right in that mix, if you will, 
so they can get either a playoff spot via uh, the, you know one of the top three spots in the Pacific or one of the last wild cards, and uh, you know, and then get hot at the right time. But um, uh, but Peter Buja is you know he's uh, he's been a savior for them. He really has. So uh, uh, I believe they won last night. Do I have that correct? Uh, in, in overtime, one nothing. Yep. Yep. And then so, coming off uh, coming off win after kind of an ugly start to the season long road trip that they're on. I want to get into that a little more with JD too. But a uh, little ugly ugly game in Buffalo. But now they've won two in a row. One was Zakoff in the pipes. One one with Budai last night, and just a stellar thirty nine save performance there against the defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. So. He did start out really hot. He's still got uh, more than respectable numbers as far as his goals against and and uh, save percentage. So he did. He he was stumbling a little bit. Probably got a little tired because Coach Sutter's been riding him uh, quite heavily. Uh, obviously, Zakoff took a injury and he was out for a while too. And he came back and he played a little rough. So Coach been riding Budai a little bit, but uh, maybe a, a, a nice break there. Let Zakoff get in the pipes get some confidence back with a win, and then he comes back with just probably his signature performance of the year last night. Yeah, no, I, like I said, he's done, uh, he's done an incredible job. I think if you're a Kings fan, which, of course, you are, you have to be thrilled. And, you know, hopefully uh, Jonathan Quick, so we're saying he's roughly two months away. Um, so let's hope uh, uh, let's hope he's uh, – and, and, you know, then at that point, uh, you know, Quick is going to have to – you know, then I have to overload him as well. And the way with Pucha has played, uh, I think they could find a good mix. So, good news for the Kings. Yeah, for sure. And when, when that first came out, we talked about on the show that uh, treading water was going to be uh, status quo for the Kings going through the first three, four months of the season. And then, I mean, yeah, Gabbard in the World Cup, he missed eight weeks. You got McNabb's been out with a collarbone. You've got. Um, Kopitar missed a few games. It, it, Anderoff broke his thumb, so they had to shuffle their centers around. Um, good news, though, as far as the injury front goes, that uh, McNabb has now joined the team. He wasn't expected to join the team on this road trip, but he has actually joined the team. So that'll let uh, Coach Sutter slot his defense back where it was projected to be at the start of the season and get a little more familiarity in the pair, and I think that'll help maybe – let Jake Muzzin pick up his play because he's been playing substandard here for quite a bit of time. So I think maybe he's, he was, you know, you get, you get in that mind frame that you got to do more, you got to do more and maybe you try and do too much. And I think if he gets slotted back where he belongs, he'll go back to being the Corsi leader. Like last year, Muzzin led the league in Corsi for defensemen. And this year it has been a struggle. So um, I think, I think as that treading water, uh, a barometer that we talked about. I think they've done just fine. They're sitting in a playoff spot right now, and with all those injuries and games missed and obviously quick being out, I think to be still holding a playoff spot down 30 games into the season, yeah, you could take that. And what that also does is you don't have to move maybe some of the guys that are a year or two away in, a, in the AHL um, for a, a Thomas Grice or, or a, a, a goalie to come in. I think Budai allowed – Lombardi on to his assets. He's been moving draft picks, and you know, on Miller, and we lost first round pick Jones, uh, Tara, and he left for Evan. 
Lucic, we took a gamble on. He left for it. And so around, he'll be able to keep his pace going into the offseason, and that'll that'll bode well to uh, help the Kings going forward, too. What else do we got on tap? Uh, also, the Flyers. I mean, obviously, they've won 10 in a row. Kind of dove into their numbers, and, you know, uh, they're a bit uh, a big surprise uh, to me. I thought, you know, the Flyers obviously made the playoffs last year, pushed the Capitals in the first round. They qualified the last weekend of the season. It was between them, Detroit, and Boston. And they got in, and they got in. But going into the season, I thought it was going to be a similar scenario for them in terms of would they just make it or would they just miss it. And that was nothing against them because I think they were they're building this, this Ron Hexel's building this team the nice the right way. But having said that, I, I was a bit surprised of where they are in the standings. There, there's a group of teams in the league that are in that, you know, 42, let's say 43, 44-point range, which which they are. And so I, I kind of dove – I felt going into the season that they're – I didn't know if their goaltending was going to be strong enough to get them back to the postseason as well as their blue line. And, and interesting to note, one would just assume, like, well, obviously that's been going like gangbusters. But interesting, uh, you know, if you take a look at all the teams in that 40 to 44-point team – Range, all you know, all of them, uh, for what it's worth, uh, in terms of the analytics and and you know the differential between goals for goals against, they're all very big numbers. Uh, other than the Blackhawks, ironically, I think they're around plus thirteen or so. But everyone else is well above plus twenty. Some teams above plus thirty. You know, the Flyers are at a plus eight, uh, which you know, which tells you that they're winning a lot of one goal games. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of teams like my Islanders who are struggling uh, tremendously, and they, they're struggling in one-goal game. So there's something to be said to that. Uh, but it also probably says that they're uh, not, you know, in the same class as, as some of those other teams. And, you know, you one would just assume that, well, their goaltending must be great. Well, Norbert's been hurt yet again, and he hasn't played well when he's a few times he's been in there. And Steve Mason has, you know, the odd very pedestrian numbers, believe it or not, even though the team's doing great as their number one goalie with a 279 goals against and a 905 save percentage. And while Ivan Provorov's having a real good rookie year uh, and they have some nice defensemen on that team, when you look at their blue line, it doesn't really, you know, blow you away. So, you know, I have some uh, – I'll be interesting to see how the Flyers progress as the year goes on. But you know what? At the end of the day, this 10-game winning streak – when all said and done, could be the reason why they make the playoffs uh, versus why they don't. Well, I was thinking when we were looking at, at doing this at uh, two years ago, outside of uh, 13 and one or a, a four, <coughs> excuse me, a 13 and one or a 14 and one game run that the Florida Panthers went on. And, uh, outside of that run, they were basically a little, you know, a 500 hockey club or a little bit under for the rest of the season, but that did propel them into the playoffs. And, you know, if they could get a couple more under their belt and get, you know, move just a little bit higher up, put some distance between the guys that are going to be chasing them, I think, um, I think Philly's got a shot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how they progress. Uh, as time goes on, but, uh, and don't get me wrong, I like, you know, Provo, I'm a huge fan of, 
high on him um, when he was drafted. You know, and guys like Atmosphere and Gudis uh, play a good role. But, you know, the rest of, you know, Michael Delzato, uh, Manning, Andy McDonald, Mark Streit, I mean, it, it, as a unit, it doesn't really blow you away. But yet they're, uh, uh, but yet they're, uh, they just keep winning games. So, and uh, last point on the floor, it's interesting to note, uh, before this 10-game winning streak, they were under 500, even by NHL standards. I think they were something like 9, 10, and 3 or something along those lines. And, uh, and now they've won 10 in a row. So, you know, something to keep in mind, and we'll be curious to see uh, how they play when, when this streak ends. But, you know, also, too, it doesn't hurt to have three guys and I, uh, all in the top six or seven in scoring. And uh, Voracek was bounced back, and Claude Giroux and Wayne Simmons. Yeah, and I've always been a fan of Wayne Simmons. He just does everything. He just does everything with his full heart, his full soul, and uh, he wears the. He's the guy that plays for that name on the front of the jersey, as opposed to the name on the back. The old cliche, but uh, Wayne Simmons embodies that even his early days as a king. So he's he's one of the reasons that a lot of Flyers fans will say that they won the Mike Richards trade, which I disagree with, but. Um, they point to having uh, a gritty, hard-nosed player like Simmons that's also scored 30 goals a couple times since he's been with Philadelphia as the reason why they are at least happy with that trade. But uh, just for the record, the Kings did win that trade, okay? Two Stanley Cup rings. We're, gonna, we're kind of done with that talk. But uh, anyway, what, uh, what's, what's next on tap, sir? And then the last point, I mean, uh, it was a big uh, win for Florida last night, although they beat the Avalanche with the lowest amount of points, I believe, in the league currently. Hello, and, um, this. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, oh, oh sorry. So the, the, the Panthers, there was a report this week that Dale Talon was going to be back in charge in terms of the front office, and then the team denied it. So there's, you know, there continues to be a lot of controversy since Tom Rowe has kind of taken over. They haven't been awful. They they have accumulated a number of overtime losses, so at least in cases where they have lost, they're still picking up a point, but their overall record, it's not awful, but it's not great either. They're still in the mix there for one of those uh, spots, uh, maybe the three, one of the, thir- the third spot in the Atlantic, but there's just something not right down there, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of get it going, you know, quietly, and we, we're not, not going to talk about it uh, on this show too much, but it, it's a bit odd of what's going on in Tampa and how much they're struggling, too, so which really doesn't make any sense to me when you think about how deep they are across the board. So, anyway, so we'll have to keep an eye on the Panthers and uh, uh, if, if they can find uh, that magic from last year. Yeah, um, we talked a little bit last week about the Panthers, and you you kind of called me out. And, uh, um, was I not pleased with the firing of Mr. Gallant? And I guess to put it put it pretty bluntly, the answer was no. I thought it was a ridiculous. So there is a lot of uh, upheaval there in the front office, and and a lot of the times when you go through those kinds of things, um, it does reflect in the play on the ice. So. Um, I got a caller on on hold here, Chris. I'm gonna go ahead and bring him in. I'm not sure if it's Dana. It's coming from an unfamiliar okay. number, but uh, let me let me see who it is. Hello, this is Mark Warner with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Who's this? 
You're not coming through. You're all broken. Let me put this guy back on hold. I do. do I do see Dana in here. Here now, and Dana. Slow switchboard, Dana. Hey, can you hear me now? I hear you now. How's it going? It's going really well. How are you, man? Oh, we're good. Um, welcome back from your vacation, sir. I trust you enjoyed yourself. It was good. It was eye-opening. It was a bit too long on water, but um, I was glad to get back. And uh, I, re I remember one of the days, I, this is how sick I am. I remember one of the days I woke up and instead of saying, you know, good morning to my wife, I, I looked at my phone and I said, we have service. So I uh, immediately looked into the <laughs> NHL highlights. So that's what was concerning to me, apparently. Got to keep, sir. Got to keep the connectivity. Uh, was that your first cruise? That was my first cruise, yeah. And uh, nobody told me that everything on the board was free as far as food was concerned. So yeah, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the, uh, you could get so uh, you could get anything you want. Yeah, anything you want, anytime, day or night. You go on the on the on the deck. You got the midnight buffet. You got full dining room service and four or five different restaurants around the ship. Um, and that's all included, sir. That's one of that's one of my favorite parts of a cruise. Uh, I crushed Guy Fieri hamburgers for four days, so I've been fasting nice. for about five days now. Yeah, it's tough to come back off of a cruise. You're usually for me ten year one. I'm done with that. And the other thing that is when you're in the dining room at night, you don't have to just entree. If you look at the steak and it looks good, and you look at the lobster and it looked good, you just have them bring both entrees. It's uh, it's not a bad world out on the cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was great. Uh, that was the only thing that we had to pay for extra was the uh, with the steak when we went to the formal dinners at night. Um, but right. you really didn't need you need to pay for that because they had plenty of options and it, it was it was pretty <laughs> awesome. But I will tell you this: um, one one trip to the part of Mexico that we went, I will say that we are a very very lucky nation to have yeah. the the things that we have here. Maybe even more appreciate what we have. Um, and then the other the other thing is um, a little less time on water and a little more time on land. I. I I have come to the realization that I like it on land a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both statements. Um, we, we did the uh, three-day flight down to uh, Mexico. And, yeah, very appreciative, United States of America. And I think we, we went back again, and we did not do the ports of call. We just stayed on ship while everybody else got off and enjoyed the pools yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. So that was that was – once was enough. Uh, just before we get into hockey talk, real quick, you might enjoy the uh, an Alaskan cruise because there's in the in a seven day cruise we hit four ports of call, so there wasn't the full day and a half, two days at sea before you got to get back off the boat and do anything. And Alaska's pretty uh, awesome. So if you book another, if you well, book another already, one, I'm not traveling. <laughs> already in the works, my friend. That that is the one that I have my eye on for sure. I, I want any cruise where I can have cell phone coverage 
So that's what we're looking at. There you go. Look, look up that, look up that West Coast there of Ketchikan, Skagway, Juno, Victoria Island. That's a beautiful cruise. You can't go wrong with that. Anyway, um, I, I have my work hours changed, and and I haven't been able to catch the Vegas Hockey Hotline with you and Brian, fourteen hundred AM KSHP. Um, and I'm I'm sure that that you guys have gone over it ad nauseum, but let me just get your take. The Golden's name was rejected by the office. And it should be a, a easy enough of an appeal process. They get six months to go through it all. Um, just give me give me the rundown, the inside Vegas plane on on how how that is going to proceed, and and if you expect anything to happen with the name, because I don't. But you 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 obviously know more about it than I do. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, we I there is no way that this name is going to get changed. It's, you know, when it's all said and done, I think they have until, you know, the second week of June of actually, you know, file an appeal. And, and if the NHL goes that long, I mean, that's just, that's telling me that they don't have any, you know, there there is no, uh, nothing in their minds that are that is saying that this is going to get changed, which it won't. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the one thing to me that, you know, kind of really drove me crazy when I first heard about this coming off the shift was that, you know, First of all, the logos, which is really the issue here, not the name, the logo looks absolutely nothing like each other. And I'll, I'll equate it to this. It would be the same as if somebody mis- mistook or mistook the USC logo for the Ottawa Senators logo. That, that's what it really equates to here. It, and the conspiracy theorist to me says, Hey, maybe uh, maybe the uh, the cadets down there didn't really uh, like the way that Foley uh, didn't check with them first, if you will, before using the Golden Knights name. And maybe there was a little bit of a phone call made to the U.S. Patent Agency, which is also a government agency. That's just a conspiracy theorist to me, because if you look at these logos, they're they're not even close. Uh, and in fact, the uh, the U.S. UCF logo is a lot closer to the St. Rose logo than the Golden Knights logo is. Yeah, I didn't know that, that it was actually the logo that was in question. One thing, and and Chris Chris said he's lived in New York his whole thing. He's out on Long Island, and he hadn't heard even heard of that college until this came up. So that's what the, the U.S. Patent Office and trademark law is supposed to do is protect the little guy. So they did the, the, the political thing and, and kicked it back us. I don't. I, I think when you look around the league, you have the Bruins in college football and the Bruins in National Hockey League, uh, the Hurricanes in college football and the Hurricanes in the National Hockey League. It, no, you've correct. got the London Knights, the Golden Knights, the you know, there's Knights everywhere. I, I don't think that they, they had to do what they had to do because there is a, a, a patent on file. But I, I look at that to be uh, overcome rather quickly. Let's. Uh, so that's enough said about that. Actually, let's go back to our twenty and three. I believe you. UNLV Rebels. Um, that is correct. When uh, you were you were gone, I think. But what what's what's up on tap next for them? Are they in a, in a holiday off period, or do we got some games coming? Uh, they are in holiday mode until the thirteenth of January. Uh, then they'll go That's to Colorado to play the uh, Mile High Showcase. Um, I don't have the complete list of the teams that they'll play there, but they will play four games in four days. And that will replace 
uh, the scheduled uh, games against Grand Canyon because no disrespect to Grand Canyon, but at this time of year and with the way the ACHA decides to uh, to to uh, put up their rankings. Uh, the quality of your schedule means a lot. So they replaced those two games with four games in four four days, um, and they will not be back uh, to the Las Vegas Ice Center until the 27th of January against SMU. Uh, in fact, outside of the potential of a couple exhibition games at the end of the year to uh, to get them ready for the postseason, they only have four home games left. Mm. Oh, okay. So the de- definitely postseason. We we were talking uh, before before you took off um, that if they had gone through and, and finished that little sweep there, that uh, they should have locked up the number one seed in the postseason tournament. I think that that's pretty much set in stone for for that that division, right? I don't see I don't see that being a problem. Uh, well, <laughs> next year it won't be a problem. But this year it certainly is a problem. Uh, they uh, they're in the number two ranking right now, and it takes the ACHA apparently a whole month to put out a new poll. But the fact of right. the matter is, crushing the the third ranked team in the country twice uh, apparently is not enough for them. As Williston State at nine and six is still number one in the West, a team by the way that is from North Dakota that shouldn't even be playing in the West, but, but got put there because they wanted some competitive balance, which is, is absolutely insane. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you just, you can't move these teams around to different divisions just because you want competitive balance. I mean, what's the, what's the point of having a region if that's the way you're going to do things. So uh, as a, a school from North Dakota is ranked number one in the West. Meanwhile, Teams, other teams in the state of North Dakota uh, play in the uh, play in the central. So you figure that out. But it's very important because only those top two teams get a bye uh, into the uh, into the finals in Columbus, Ohio. So even though you and you know it, and I know it, and everybody who actually watches these games knows that no, that UNLV is number one in the West. Uh, apparently, the yeah. computers who watch no games uh, don't know it. <laughs> well, let me bring in Chris. Chris, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, hey, Dan. Great to have you back. Great, great. Yeah, and nice to hear you. The nice trip. Uh, got a question hey, about Chris. the Golden Knights. And, um, yeah. It, in terms of, and, and this hasn't really been talked about much, in terms of, uh, you know, who the head coach is going to be. I mean, obviously, you know, the, uh, George McPhee and the boys are, I'm sure, on a weekly basis, if, if you will, wargaming the expansion draft because once they get the final list, you know, which is crazy to me, they only have 48 hours, even though at that point they'll probably be able to predict 95% of the list. But yeah, um, yeah at the same token, I would think sooner rather than later, they're going to want whoever their head coach is going to be to be in that mix. So how do you see this playing out? I'm not even getting into like who they're looking at and things of that nature, but yeah. how do you see this playing out in terms of when they'll hire a head coach from that standpoint? So everyone's on the same page of the kind of team and kind of players they want to bring on board. Just show the uh, That's a great question. I brought up the same question to George McPhee, and I said, "Look, you know, you're you're trying to put together a team here, but 
you know, I mean, you're essentially going to hand a team to a coach rather than having the coach involved in the process of picking the team. And, you know, I just don't see, you know, of course, you know, the, the minute Galak got fired, everybody speculated that he would come here, but, um, you know, mostly because of his relationship with Scott Luce. But, um, you know, that's been very quiet lately. And, and maybe, you know, we don't, we don't know. Maybe Galak doesn't want to or, or just – he is happy collecting a paycheck. Um, you know, to me, I and we have this debate a lot on Vegas Hockey Hotline, uh, me and Brian, uh, Brian Blessing and I. Um, he wants to have somebody that, you know, wants to have something to prove and uh, hasn't coached anywhere before. And I think I want a little bit more of a seasoned guy. And the reason for me for the seasoning uh, or, or the preference of a seasoned guy is the fact that when you're trying to go out and get free agents, which they're able to do. They have a three-day window to talk to these, you know, these UFAs before anybody else. You know, when you're trying to sell them on coming to Las Vegas, you've got to have something in hand to get the word expansion out of their mind. And I think when you have a guy that, that's at the uh, at the helm that that says, yes, I'm willing to go there, I think you have more of an opportunity to get bigger name players to come here rather than having, you know, say a Jared Bednar uh, coming here. I, I, Hey, look, you know, you know me, I've been talking about this forever. I mean, I, I secretly want the Boston Bruins to be, uh, be a 500 team because I just think a guy, maybe not Claude Julian, but a guy like Claude Julian, uh, maybe not somebody that's necessarily won a cup, but at least has gotten closed and has that flavor uh, in his mouth of being at the end of the tunnel. That that would be my preference at this point. Let me throw a name out at you there, uh, Dana. John Stevens, coach with the Kings. He's yeah. got and was head, head coach of the Flyers and took them to the Stanley Cup final. That's kind of like my wish list right there. And his style, it will be a, a much more up tempo game than he's doing now with the Kings and Coach Sutter. If you look back at how he played when he had Carter and, and Richards and that group, they were very, very fast, very, very up tempo kind of game. And I think John Stevens will go back to that if he has the horses in the stable to do so. What do you think of that guy? Yeah. Hey, look, I'm not uh I'm not against that. The only thing uh about John is it's been a while since he's you know, Ben be uh, behind the bench. So uh, that would be my only thing. I mean, I don't think he's, remember, he serves me right. I haven't thought about him, but um, I don't think John's coached since like 2008, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously that that's, that's a possibility, um, but uh, I'd really, I'd rather have somebody that's, that, that was always my thing with Galan as well. Hey, look, you have a guy here that hasn't, uh, you know, between Columbus and Florida was eight years. So everybody loves this guy. Well, why did it take eight years for him to get a head coaching job? And I know he was in hockey, but eight years for a guy that's, you know, highly thought of? I mean, in, in, in the day and age of uh, the, the uh, you know, the boys' network, you know, that's an awful long time for, for someone who is highly thought of as a head coach. Yeah, but to, the, to that point, John Stephen has a couple offers to leave the camp. He has been 
reached out to and offered and has elected with the Kings a couple. Point well taken, sir. Um, I wish we had more time to talk. I've got our next call here. Um, so we'll we'll look we'll catch up with you a little more during the week and we'll look forward to talking with you. We're gonna take Christmas off since it does fall on the weekend. Everyone gets to have some good family time and uh we'll get back at it in the new year, sir, and I'll keep you up to date on where we're headed. All right, well sounds good. I appreciate it. Uh wish you guys happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and uh, we'll see you on the other side. All right, Merry Christmas to you and yours, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to go now. I think that's J.D. on, on hold there, J.D. Oh, we it just is. dropped the call. Oh, there you are. There you are. How are you, sir? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I am good. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to both of you guys, too, Mark and Chris. And thanks for having me back on the show. Absolutely, absolutely sir. Well, I want to uh, – I, I mean, let's start on a high note. Uh, tonight was a pretty good look for the Kings, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was two two games in a row since the meltdown in Buffalo, um, and the big uh, Jeff Carter which uh, speech of uh, his interview saying how the team is fragile, which I like to call the actual state of the address uh, of the Kings that Jeff Carter needed to do to wake these guys up, and then they had that closed door meeting in Buffalo, players only, to talk about. This needs to stop. We need to step up, everybody, top to bottom, and play as a team, especially the way we play defense. And in the last two games, or any indication, even though the Pittsburgh game, you know, Pittsburgh completely outshot L.A., and Budai was great, had the, had the, uh, the shutout, uh, L.A. was keeping even Pittsburgh that did the same thing with Detroit outside the perimeter. Crosby could not get in. Hagelin could not get in. They were back-checking. They were on their man. They were finishing checks. The way L.A. hockey is supposed to be played under Daryl Sutter's system. So in the past two games, so far, so good. Anything before that, no good. It'll be interesting uh, this point forward. Well, um, you mentioned defensively they did have 64 hits in the game, so they, they were at least playing the physical brand of hockey that we're used to. Um, I, I saw reports this morning, uh, McNabb rejoining the team, kind of a, a surprise. He wasn't expected to come back to the team until after this horrendous road trip that they're on. Do you have any updates on McNabb and his status? All I know about McNabb is that he is now with the team on this road trip, he wasn't originally, and I think that's a very good sign that we can be seeing him eventually in the very, very, very near future being slipped back into the roster to play probably as a sixth defenseman until he gets his legs back. My only concern, of course, is the Daryl Sutter factor <laughs> um, because I think Derek Forbert has been pl playing fantastic and has improved big time. And, like, from my sources down in L.A., I'm hearing that uh, Drew Doughty uh, is a lot of the reason why Forbert's improving, not just because they're playing together, but the fact that Doughty, even at the TSC during practice, Doughty is, is, is showing him tips, is giving him advice, and being a leader, he's mentoring Forbert, and Forbert is absorbing it like a sponge. And uh, I don't want Forbert to not be playing just because McNabb is coming back. And I also like how Kevin Gravel has been adapting to the NHL and becoming a part of this team, and I don't want to see him, uh, you know, go back down to Ontario or whatever the case may be, just because McNabb is back while 
Matt Green plays or Tom Gilbert plays. So uh, it's going to be very interesting when McNabb comes back in. But I do think, you know, that, that will provide more defensive depth for the Kings, especially with the improvements and uh, evolution of both Derek Forbert and Kevin Gravel. I like to see that continue. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <coughs> we got about 60-mile-an-hour winds here in Vegas, and I got some allergies going. So if I go into a coughing fit, sir, um, you'll have to uh, – Please excuse me. Um, you, met, you did mention one factor, I, and I wanted to touch on um, forward playing with Dowdy. Um, the fact that Muzzin is not how indicative of that, and it is is Muzzin's poor play as of late is not having Dowdy as his partner. Muzzin's having a bad year. Um, Muzzin, with all his experience, um, you know. With Stanley Cup, with playoff experience, Muzzin is still making kind of the same, I don't know, blunders, the same type of mistakes that by the time you reach your prime, he's now 27 years old. He's been playing for a while. And uh, he's still making those kind of rookie mistakes, and it kind of makes me scratch my head like, what's going on, Buzz? I'm seeing Forbert improve. I'm seeing Gravel improve. You know, McNabb had a bad year last year, but we're, you know, he's still young enough that he can improve once he gets back on the roster, is healthy, and can play. But Muzzin, what's going on? But uh, I'm going to hold off actually on that answer, Mark and Chris, if you don't mind, because I know we're going to talk about that later, and I'm going to drop a little bomb on you guys. It probably isn't a bomb. You guys probably figure it out. But maybe for the listeners, it's a bomb about Jake Muzzin. So I'm just going to leave it at that, all right? Is that cool? That's good. That's good. Let me bring in Chris here. I know he has some things for you, J.D. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, J.D. It's great to hear your voice again. Uh, so, J.D., uh, i got a couple questions on the division, but let's start on the Kings, and you, no one knows them better than you. In terms of, if I said to you, J.D., getting a healthy Jonathan Quick back by mid-February, for this team to be in a position to make a playoff line, where do they have to improve? What's, what do they have to do uh, and, and unless they conquer these things, uh, even if they make the playoffs, uh, it's not going to be a long run. It's going to be a short run. What the Kings need to do to improve, and this is before John Quick shows up, so, so hopefully these things are, are now working properly. The, you know, they've now improved these issues. By the time Quick can get in there, get his legs back, and help him get into the playoffs. Uh, but the mental breakdowns have to stop. Have to stop. So, you know, like Jeff Carter said, they're a fragile team. One bad bounce in a game where the Kings are leading, what used to be one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. I remember how many games where they had a one-goal lead or whatever or a lead into the third period, almost near 100, and it was a guaranteed win. The Kings aren't even close to that anymore. Somewhere, uh, somewhere they ended up right. losing confidence. And that was one of the big the issues that the Kings had. That number was 96 Sorry? and 3. That number was yeah, almost 103. Yeah. That is an incredible stat. That's almost 100. That's pretty much almost 100% guaranteed, pretty close enough that it's going to be a win. Kings can't even get out of the first period with the lead, and then they explode or implode <laughs> by the second period. Buffalo being the best example, which uh, Buffalo scoring four goals in six minutes when the Kings had a 2 nothing lead. Like, okay. So, so the team knows it. They know. They don't need the coaches to tell them. They know. Carter said it to the media. They had that closed-door meeting. They talked about it. And you can tell their defensive coverage has improved in the last two games because now they got everybody, five up, five back. 
playing solid defense, and that was the other thing, the defense. A lot of players were not playing to the best of their ability, playing kind of lazy, and that has to stop. And that's part of mental weakness. Do you guys want to win, or do you guys just want to play and get paid? And, and Carter was sick of it. So it's like everybody needs to step up. All of a sudden, you're seeing Tyler Defoley step up. All of a sudden, well, Nick Dowd's not in the team. For some reason, he's having a great bromance with Dustin Brown. Hey, whatever it takes to get Brown going. But Sutter yeah. had Dowd out for a couple of games. But Dowd's back in there, and they connect, and it connected again the past two games. And you're, now you're seeing more hustle. You're seeing back-checking. Uh, you're seeing, uh, you know, everyone's keeping, uh, like, they're keeping Detroit. They're keeping Pittsburgh outside the perimeter. They can't get grade-A scoring opportunities, so they're trying to get long shots in or deflections. And Peter Buda is doing well enough. I don't think Buda is the number one goalie, but he is a solid backup goalie. And definitely plays a lot better than the disappointing Zakov. But Budai is doing enough, and it's and like I like I'm saluting him. But he's keeping the team, he's keeping their head above water. But they definitely need a number one goalie back in there and Jonathan Quick. But the defense has to improve, which we saw in the last two games. That needs to continue, and they need to have some butts. Okay, they need to have some mental, some confidence, some strength. Where even if they're, where where are the Kings that were 0 3 behind the San Jose the first round of the playoffs and then went on to win the Stanley Cup? Like that was their chapter one. They need that mentality back, and they need to teach the guys that are now on the team to have those attributes as well, because that is what is expected if you're a Los Angeles Kings player playing for Daryl Sutter on this Kings team. The mental breakdowns have to stop, and everybody has to pull their way, all four lines, all defensive pairings, all goaltenders, because it takes a team effort for the Kings to have success. Maybe other teams can get by with two, three lines or whatever. The Kings have to go all the way. Five, five up, five back. Everybody contribute. Everybody play defense. Four seconds of hell with your shifts. Nothing more, unless you're Drew Doughty and you're playing 30 minutes, but you don't want to wear him out either. That stuff has to continue. What we saw in the last two games, Chris, has to continue for the Kings to have success. And then when Quick comes back, and it's once he gets his legs back and he gets his timing back, then the Kings actually have a chance to make the playoffs. And you know what? Once you make the playoffs, doesn't matter how you did the regular season, it's a whole new season and anything can happen. Yeah, and, J.D., when you look at this division, I mean, uh, you have five teams very close to each other in the standings, the Sharks, the Ducks, the Flames, the Oilers, and the Kings. Now, from afar, it seems to me the Sharks are really starting to uh, play like they did last spring, and they had a bit of a statement win last night in Montreal uh, winning that game. So I say to you, sir, uh, how do you see this division breaking down? I mean, uh, are the Sharks the favorite to, to to win it? Do you think they'll have kind of clear sailing? And and if and what about the other teams? And who do you have a feel of? Who do you think is going to be in those two three spots? And who is going to have to be you know fighting against the central teams for the wild card? It's no secret to anyone, and this includes a last season that the Pacific Division is no longer uh, one of the superpowers uh, in hockey. Even though the Sharks went all the way to the Stanley Cup Final last year, uh, in comparison to the regular season uh, points, let's say what's going on, say, in the Central Division, um, 
who, ta- who took both wildcard spots last year and this year may not be generous to even leave one as well this year. Uh, it is a complete traffic jam in the Pacific Division, and it's going to be a battle for the, for, the, for the three spots that automatically get you into the playoffs. But I think San Jose is going to be fine. Like you're saying, they're starting to pick it up. And the thing with San Jose is they got over a major, major, major physical and mental hurdle last season by getting to the Stanley Cup final, which they've never done before in franchise history, which Joe Thornton probably is going to be a Hall of Famer. Patrick Marlowe, a veteran, don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame, but you never know. Um, you know, first time in their careers, Vlasic, Burns, uh, Pavelski, first time in their careers. And uh, that is huge. That is huge. How is that not a learning curve? And they're obviously going to take that into this season. They're now starting to play very well. They got Martin Jones in net. And Martin Jones has a 920 save percentage, no surprise, two shutouts, 210 goals against average. He proved last year in the season and in the playoffs that he is, in fact, a number one goalie and a very good one. You got Martin Jones, there's hope. You got Brent Burns. He's got 29 points in 31 games, 13 goals. He leads the team in goals. He's playing fantastic. All right, he's a plus eight as well. You got Joe Pavelski, the leader, 27 points, you know, in 31 games. You got Thornton, who's still pulling out the assist, being the playmaker, though he has slowed down a tad. And you got uh, Mark Ward Vlasic, who I'm a big fan of, actually, who played great for Canada the World Cup of Hockey. Uh, the only thing with San Jose, I think San Jose is in. I think they're going to win the division. You know, unless Anaheim pulls an Anaheim like they did last season, where they go on one of those crazy, uh, you know, unstoppable runs and then win the division again. Either way, San Jose's getting in. The only thing with San Jose, I have to say, though, which may not happen, but I'm a little worried, not worried about as a Kings fan, but maybe just worried for them in general while covering them, is the fatigue factor. How much gas are they going to have left by the time they get to the playoffs? Because we got, you know, let's be honest, Joe Thornton's not a spring chicken. Uh, Patrick Marlowe is at a spring chicken. And even though Pavelski and Burns are on the uh, younger side of 30, they're still in their 30s. And they have played the most hockey in their careers by playing into June last year. And Thornton, Couture, Vlasic, and Burns all played in the World Cup of Hockey. They played all the way to the final with Team Canada. And now they're back in the grind of an NHL season with playoffs coming up, and we know what happens in the playoffs, everything gets turned up a notch by a thousand, and they're playing in a very, not as competitive as the other divisions, but a competitive to the point where there's going to be some desperate hockey playing in the Pacific because it is such a traffic jam. It takes one little winning streak to be the top of that division, and it just takes a few games to lose, and you're out of a playoff spot. But I think San Jose will be okay. I think Anaheim will be okay as well. Uh, it's been okay. Um, I think... Perry's playing very well, even though he's a minus three, but he's getting the points in there, 26 points in 31 games. Getzloff's got 26 points in 28 games. Kessler's actually, uh, Ryan Kessler's playing very good. I do like their center depth. they got size. Um, I do like the young guys they have on the team. They all seem to be gelling well with the veterans, and it seems like everybody's getting along with head coach Randy Carlisle. If there's something about the Ducks uh, when it comes to weakness is I'm still not sold on their goaltending. Uh, John Gibson and former King Jonathan Bernier. Uh, Gibson, 908 percentage, which would have been probably 
probably would have got him a Vesna in 1988, but we're not in 1988. 264 goals against average. That has to improve. Defensively, they have to improve as well. Bernier had 908, it's the same thing, 269. They're going to need a few more saves if uh, you're going to try to get by someone like the San Jose Sharks, where Martin Jones, he is going to be making those saves. But I think, yeah, Ducks are also going to be okay. The interesting thing, though, Chris, is who's going to take the third spot in the Pacific? Will it be the Kings? What about Calgary? Calgary had that six-game winning streak, though now I know they've lost two in a row. They lost yesterday to uh, Columbus, who's, who's red hot right now. But after a slow start, Johnny Goudreau, you know, with the contract stuff, and it was an injury, he picked it up. I like the way Sean Monaghan is playing, though he needs to learn how to play some defense. I like the way Dougie Hamilton's playing, Sam Bennett. They're playing great. And uh, Chad Johnson in net. Who knew? Who knew? Calgary traded for Brian Elliott at the draft. They traded for Brian Elliott at the draft from St. Louis. Normally, Elliott is an excellent regular season goaltender, right? Very tight, great save percentage. Of course, he had a great defensive team in St. Louis, at least in the regular season, uh, in comparison to Calgary. But uh, Elliott's not been very good. 886 save percentage. Or Chad Johnson's been lights out. 222 goals against average. 924 save percentage. Three shutouts. Who knew? But can Johnson maintain it for the rest of the season? You know, that's, he's a journeyman goaltender, backup goaltender. We'll have to wait and see. But I think Calgary will definitely be the dark horse. They'll be the spoiler. I thought maybe Arizona would be, but they've been a bust so far. But uh, Calgary could very well overpass the Kings, maybe even the Ducks, for a playoff spot because there's no guarantee that there's going to be a wild card spot. Battling for the wild card spot, it's going to be the same guys battling for third and second place. It's going to be the Kings. It's going to be Calgary. And if Arizona can get their stuff together, which doesn't look like they're anywhere close to that right now at this point, they should have been battling for that spot as well. But uh, to make it to the playoffs in the Pacific Division, you got to make one of the top three. And I think the real battle, the real interesting fight to the death will be for that third spot. And L.A. and Calgary are going to go head-to-head because I believe it's going to be San Jose, Anaheim, and then those two teams. And then last yeah, thing, don't real for- quick, before I hand, hand, hand you off some more, so then you'd probably, you're probably looking at, let's say, in that scenario, Oilers, Kings, let's say right now it's looking like Predators, and if the Dallas Stars can get it going, you know, those four teams for the two wild-card spots. Possibly. I'm still not sold on the Oilers, though, I have to admit. I mean, they had a great hot start, but they're starting to fizzle out. Oh, look, they got speed. Yes. They got talent. Yes. They got Connor McDavid. Hell yes. You know, if he can stay healthy, who knows? Anything is possible. Uh, Lucic, he's being a leader on that. He's actually playing very well. Uh, Everly, he's not playing that bad. With Edmonton, though, I'm still not 100% convinced on their defense or their goaltending. Nothing against Cam Talbot. You know, he's got a 916% right now. Can he maintain it? Can he keep that puck out of the net? Their backup goalie is a monster. Uh, Jonas Gustafsson never was a fan of his. Don't think he's much of anything, so can't count on him. And, uh, you know, he Chris Russell... He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't play. He, basically, Talbot plays all the games, so you got to wonder when right. Uh, come up. So when so so when is Talbot going to burn out, or will he? Right. You know, can he go the whole season? That's what I, well, that's what I mean. Can he maintain it? Same thing with Chad Johnson. Can he maintain it? Because Edmonton is riding Talbot really hard. He's he's played twenty eight games already, and Gustafson's played six. You know, so so Talbot has to hold the fort. 
unless they trade for some goalie at the deadline or something that we don't know that's happening. But and defensively, you know, Darnell Nurse minus three. I know, I know plus minus is a caveman stat, but it gives you a little bit of an indication. Uh, Larson, who they got in the big Taylor Hall trade uh, from New Jersey, uh, minus four. Uh, you know, he, he's a good defenseman, but he's not going to be enough. I, I do like the way Chris Russell is playing, though, but I don't think they have enough. They're still, uh, they still need, they still need somebody big back there. And maybe they're going to, we don't know what's going to happen in the trade deadline, but until that happens, I'm not solely convinced on Edmonton. They're going to ride McDavid all the way. And maybe, and maybe he can get them in there. But I think Edmonton's, Edmonton's best chance of making it in is if the Central is generous enough to allow a wild card spot to be available. And the same thing, like I said, about the third place in the Pacific, it's going to be a fight to the death because every, everyone's so close in points. And uh, once we get to that real, you know, around the trade deadline, now you're making your big playoff run. It, it's going to be a, it's going to be crazy. Edmonton needs to continue. They better score a lot of goals because I would not, when the going gets tough, I'm not going to put money on their defense and goaltending unless they prove me wrong. Well, the thing with Edmonton and I kind of, we're listening to J.D. Styles break down the Kings in the Pacific Division on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. J.D. is the NHL's content director at CaliSportsNews.com and also hosts the Kings Road Talk podcast with a host of other people. And, J.D., I've been tempted to call in a couple times Um uh, for one reason or another, I just never did. Sometime on this road trip, I'm gonna call you guys up after, uh, hopefully, another game like last night. Uh, I'll, I will get in there. I told you I would, and I, I've been meaning to do. But I will give you a call at some road trip. That's a promise. Yeah, for sure. Just do it when I'm hosting, and then when I see your number, I know it's you, and for sure I'll get you on the show. All right, all right. Will, but I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to to draw a comparison last year and you mentioned that you're disappointed with Arizona this year, last year, they were able to hold on to a playoff spot into January, I believe until uh, Anaheim went on that run. And it sounds like you think the, the same thing of Edmonton and I'm kind of along those lines too. I think, I think that they're going to get to that point where they hit the wall and the defense that they do have on defense up with them. But I think it's pretty Testament, not not. I mean, everyone knows McDavid's McDavid, but I think Lucic has made a big difference in that locker room and just the belief factor of of some of them that can look to a Lucic who has been there before and know his leadership qualities from his time in Los Angeles and obviously with Boston it's going to be enough for Edmonton. I think come down and and Chris uh Dallas and. And Nashville, and they both they both got off to horrible starts. Quite a change on their defensive was already considered to be the the weak point. Obviously, they have the best one of the best offensive schemes, one of the best power plays in the league. Um, how does a team, assuming that they get their, their let's say their karma going again, and and Dallas's team to to put that run on how does that offensively challenge team like the kings ahead against a team like dallas do if they if they're clicking on all cylinders they have the best offense in the league
Hello? Yeah, are you there? Yep, yep. Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Hello. Hello, I'm here. Oh, okay. Well, I was just saying, if if Dallas is that that's coming down the stretch with the the big push, and I don't think it is going to be Edmonton, I agree with you on that point. How does the offensively challenged LA Kings uh, stay keep abreast, if you will, of Dallas, who, if they do get their karma going, have the best one of the best offenses in the league? Um, what? If L.A. continues to uh, bring back their biggest strength that that team has in that system, as I mentioned, we saw in the last two games, and that's a very small sample size. That we'll see by the time we get into the trade deadline and everything else in the future. But uh, L.A. strength is if they can get five up, five back, 40 seconds of pedal with their shifts, and everybody playing their defensive style, finishing their checks, and keeping everybody on the outside. Defense wins the game. And if, they, if the whole team, top to bottom, all, all four lines, all defensive pairings, and the goaltender as well, do their stuff like they did with Pittsburgh yesterday, that's a pretty offensive team as well, especially Sidney Crosby, who's flirting with 50 and 50. Keep them on the outside. Do not allow them to have the great A opportunities. And uh, make sure they got to shoot from far, you know, or hope for some type of deflection. You shut them down defensively, especially when it comes to playoff hockey, when everyone's finishing their checks. And what's Dallas's biggest weakness? Their defense. Maybe their goaltending. Correct. So the Kings are going to have to be, the King, like, well, Letton is what? 894 state percentage and Miami Stanley Cup champion is 909. Like this is not 1989, you know, this is 2016. And if we're going into 20, 2017 playoffs, those guys have to stop pucks more definitely in the playoffs. So if the Kings can shut Dallas down, keep them at bay, keep them at bay. And they're going to have to do like they did in 2012, where it's just constant, constant crash and bang, crash and bang, crash and bang, keep them outside, frustrate them, wear them down and be opportunistic when you have offensive opportunities. Definitely if you're having a power play. That's how the Kings would have to stop Dallas, and they would need a Jonathan Quick to be at least now in midseason mode by the time they get to the playoffs, if they get to the playoffs and somehow battle the Dallas Stars. Well, you know you know as well as I do that, that the pain of watching – uh, it, pick it, pick a Kings game. Uh, they come out strong. They come out fast. They outshoot the opponent fourteen to three in the first period, and they're losing one to nothing. That that has to stop. Um, I've been watching it at, at nine three and two and one goal games. This that's great. That's a indication, kind of playing that King style hockey when you get back to uh, dominating the one goal games, but. That 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 kind of a period when you just totally dominate and you go into the locker room and you're down a goal is got to be disheartening to the guys and and they they need to I mean they, that's the bud word that we've been hearing out of that locker room for you know five years we got to bear down we got chances that uh, this this season may be the test of, um, and I think that is going to be the way towards deciding if this team is a playoff contender or a 
Um, I'll give you a chance. You said you had a Jake Muzzin bomb before we let you go, sir. What are, what are we talking about there? We're talking about the expansion draft. We're talking about who are the Uh-oh. Kings. Who are the Kings going we to go. protect with their, with their defensemen? And uh, somebody brought it up on our show uh, a few days ago, and, and since he said it, it's been really like racking my brain. So, so you guys tell me, all right? This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. How many defensemen can you protect? Three. Four. Three. You can three protect four. three and seven forwards or four and eight skaters. You can't you can protect right. four, but then you're it, it, allowed to protect it, it, four forwards. No, it's right. You can, so theoretically, with the eight skater, one goalie route, you can protect six defensemen if you wanted to. Okay. Okay. Let's just go with the three and four for now, okay? So Lombardi has a choice with who he's going to protect. Let's go with the obvious first. Drew Doughty is going to be protected, right? Unless Lombardi wants to blow up the team and not, he's not telling anybody, Doughty is safe. I think That's Alec Martinez. And it's not, right? Uh, Alec Martinez. I agree. He's having safe. a great Let's talk yep. about that third. If we're, if we're going for third, I am going. I am, I've been racking my brain. I'm going, let's protect Derek Forbert, which leaves Jake Muzzin exposed. If we're going to do the fourth one, if we're going to do four, so we got Forbert in there at three, how about Braden McNabb how, or Kevin Gravel, and let's expose Jake Muzzin? Because you were mentioning earlier on the show, uh, Mark, about, about uh, Muzzin struggling, especially when he's not playing with Dowdy. Um, but here's the thing. Here's Jake Muzzin, okay? 27 years old. He'll be 28 by the time he's in his prime. Uh, by the time the expansion draft comes, he has playoff experience. He has Stanley Cup experience. He can play offensively. And if he's being smart, because sometimes he can be, he can also play huh. defensively. So, so you can put him on the power play and you can put him on the penalty kill depending if, you know, he deserves to be on those because sometimes those mental lapses, you never know. But then we're talking salary cap, okay? As, as, a, King, as, a, as a hardcore Dustin Brown fan, as you guys know, I'm a hardcore Kings fan, but I've got to be a realist. Best case scenario for the Kings would be if, if, if Vegas took Dustin Brown, right? They took the former captain because they needed a captain. But you know what? He's expensive, 5.87, and it goes until 2022, uh, second best scenario it. would probably would be Mary Gabrick, uh, you know, four point eight. Never, never older, injury prone, nope. right? I know he Kings fans are all over uh, LAKingsInsider.com talking about, oh, they're going to take either Brown or Gabrick. Um, no, they won't. Uh, from they won't. From George McMouth to my ears, he said you can get away. From a bad player, but you can't get away from a bad contract. That's one of the things he learned in Washington, and he's not, not going to yep. start a franchise with a uh, six-year albatross hanging over his head to, to go forward on on a fresh slate like that. Am intrigued exactly. by your Jake Muzzin. <laughs> now, how I am intrigued. That, a, a league leading Corsi defenseman on the block for the LA Kings. I would do that in a heartbeat. Four million cap hit a year, only until 2020. 27 years old right now. He'll be 28 by the time of the draft. It is prime, okay, with experience. 
with championship experience, with international experience, kind of. I think he only played one game in the World Cup, but he was there, right? I think yeah, he would be Canada. a valuable piece. He would be a valuable piece to the expansion Vegas Golden Knights. So that's I'll take my bar. Jake Muzzin will not be protected. He will not be protected. That's what I'm feeling. All right. Well, um, I can't uh, think that you brightened my Saturday, sir. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> what, what what that does though, oh, and if you, I, I was, it, I'm gonna give a plug. Into the, uh, JD, have fun with this. If you go to planmyteam.com, that's the best draft simulator that I've come across out there. You can either go through it okay. and you know, go go through every other and at your session protect however many players that need to be protected and then go through and create your own Vegas expansion. Or you can let the consensus of everybody who's already done a team uh, protected, populate your expansion draft, save you some time, save you some time, and go through and pick your uh, night roster. So right. that, that uh, if you want to play around, have some fun with the card and, and see how be, go to planmyteam.com. That's the best one that I've been. But if you do go in and you want to protect four and, and you're, you're, Martinez is the third leading scorer on the team. I don't think that he he will be protected. I agree with you on that, or will be exposed. Dowdy, obvious. Um, that third, fourth, we could debate whether you Gravel, McNabb, Forbord, or, or what have you. But if you do more defensemen, that that you know the two young guys you want to keep and the two veterans you want to keep, and and you let then then who do you protect as your forwards? Obviously, Kopi. Obviously, Carter. Obviously. And then do you protect Pearson at that point? Well, it depends. Uh, is Pearson still going to be a member of this team? Right? He's on a contract year. Um, it's pretty much coming down this season, whether they know it or not, I mean, to Foley and Pearson, that uh, it's going to be one or the other. Right? And I have this feeling, because the Foley led the, King, you know, the Kings with goals last year, and, you know, Pearson does tend, oh, so does the Foley, tend to disappear at different parts of the season. Uh, Very Tyler Toffoli, I, I, I believe Toffoli, though, is going to be the one that he's going to get the big raise. And they're going to lose Pearson anyways, whether it's Vegas or whether it's uh, with a trade at the deadline, maybe dangling him for, for something for a player. For, I don't know, because I don't think they're going to be able to afford both guys. Because we know, like we just said, Brown and Gabrick aren't going anywhere. <laughs> so those contracts are still there. Kobe's still making 10 a year, you know, and Toffoli's going to get a raise. And if Toffoli goes, Pearson's going to get a raise. It won't be as expensive. But I don't see Toffoli going. So uh, Tanner Pearson, he should be unprotected as a way to get him off the thing. And who knows? I think he might even be traded before that. We'll see. Interesting. J.D., i got to let you run, bud. We're up against the clock here. Thank you again, as always, for coming in. We're going to have a uh, line uh, preview show, and J.D.'s one of the early commitments to that. So uh, we're going to work on scheduling. Uh, figure out what, what, exactly when that is coming up. Def, definitely look forward to JD coming back, back on. Always great, King. Uh, Mark, Chris, always a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to be on that show. Oh, you know, thanks for having me, and of course, go Kings, go. All right, thank you, buddy. Katie.
All right. Well, we just dropped both JD and Chris. So I'm just going to wrap this show up. <clears throat> Thank you to everybody for listening. Really uh, make sure you everybody's safe over the holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Whatever, whatever. And and holidays that you choose to celebrate. I, I choose Christmas, so I say Merry Christmas, but happy holidays to everybody else. You guys, ah, we're going to take Christmas off. Christmas falls on the weekend this year, and we've kind of changed over to be doing, doing a Saturday show, but we've got a great lineup coming up in January. So we're going we're gonna to kick the new year off rocking and, and head right into that February preview show. There he is. Oh, Chris, back on the line to wrap the show up. Yeah, it was great to have JD. I caught the, as always, and I caught the end of what you say, so I hope I'm not repeating, uh, but just to throw Well, first off, uh, everyone can check out our shows, both at the, uh, at blogtalkradio.com. Just search Vegas Hockey Podcast. But a number of great shows uh, since the start of the season. Uh, check it out. Uh, all different teams, all great guests. Um, going forward, me and Mark, we haven't figured out a date yet, but somewhere between after Christmas and, let's say, New Year's Day, we're going to do a quick 30-minute podcast, just me and Mark reviewing the three months uh, kind of thing. And in January, we have a lot of great shows uh, coming up. Well, we got Rob Soria on the Oilers, um, one of our uh, – I, I, one of the – our best shows I go last year was with Miss Julian Fisher. Uh, for sure, for sure. More, but uh, she's going to the Winter Classic, so she can give us our feedback on the Winter Classic. Uh, absolutely, as well as absolutely. To, uh, trip to Nashville as well, so get a couple uh, uh, things about about that. We got Alan Zordaliski, who I co-host with on the NHL on the Ice as well. He's uh, missed the Capitals, uh, so we haven't had a Capitals guest in a while. So we're going to have that in January, as well as Mr. Dan Petrie at Dan Dan Noodles. Uh, talk a touch Islanders, but mostly kind of the Eastern Conference, which is a real scrum. He had all these teams at the top, if you will, and get his viewpoints. And and you mentioned about uh, the big uh, uh, trade deadline uh, kind of roundtable we're, tr- we're putting together. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, I'm hoping we can pull off the – Sunday uh, after Super Bowl Sunday, I think that'd be a fun day to do it. Everyone's going to be looking for sports, but uh, we'll keep everyone opposed. Uh, or hung over on that, and or yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot of good, a, lot, a nice, a lot of nice good, little hockey talk. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of good a lot of good stuff coming. And again, like I said, everyone can also uh, find us at thehockeywriters.com and there you go. go to the podcast page. And we are one of many shows there. Uh, so check us out there as well, or blogtalkradio.com. So, uh, uh, and if you missed the show within the last couple of weeks, we won't spoil you too much, but go back, uh, take a listen. Uh, last week's show, we had uh, Mark Tree on, on the Columbus Blue Jackets. We had Colton Prairie on the Ottawa Senators. The week before, we had uh, Derek Kelling of Last Word on Sports, uh, Last Word on Hockey, Last Word on Sports, about the Carolina situation, will he move, will he stay? Uh, he was fantastic, as well as many others. So check it out. We, we try to give you a good uh, good view of the league uh, each week. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up. 
Yep, I was gonna I was gonna make sure to get the hockey writers plug out there, but you beat me to it. So for Chris on Mark, everybody have a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. I would look forward to talking with you in the year. And we're done.